Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast, episode 24. I am your host, Kendall Caps. So, we are now midway through the NFL season, and really, I can't tell you how excited I am because it's the best time of the year to be a sports fan. We have, obviously, the NFL going on in full swing, college football, the regular season coming down to the wire. Last season, last weekend was madness. I don't know if you, anyone got a chance to see some of those games and some of those finishes. That Alabama LSU game, that was incredible to watch. We also have the NBA kicking off their season the last couple of weeks. Hockey just prior to that. And don't forget, in a couple of weeks, we have the World Cup coming around. And you know there's going to be plenty of money-making opportunities there as well. All right, so this week, instead of just diving right into the NFL, I kind of want to take a look at some college football lines this week. Because there were a few games that really stood out to me. Uh, speaking of that LSU Alabama game last week, you know, obviously that's a, a huge game for them. It jumped LSU all the way up to number seven in the college football playoff rankings. And I think Vegas and maybe a lot of people are expecting a bit of a, a down performance this week. They head on the road to Arkansas and they're only laying three and a half points. I think that speaks volumes considering Arkansas has been so up and down all year. But to me, if you look at LSU's resume and you look at the overall talent that they have top to bottom, it, it for the most part dwarfs what Arkansas brings to the table. And I think early on this season, people were high on Arkansas, but we've seen over the last few weeks that, you know, they're a Jekyll and Hyde team that that, that program hasn't turned the corner yet. Um, whereas clearly, I think you can say that LSU and Brian Kelly, the job that he has done in his first year down in Death Valley is really impressive. And to only have to lay three and a half, I mean, keep this in mind. LSU, not only do they need to win out, but in order for them to make the college football playoff, they're probably going to need style points because Tennessee, despite uh, having the loss uh, badly, albeit to Georgia last week, still sits in front of LSU. If LSU wins out, beats Georgia in the SEC title game, they still might not get there. So they need every bit of style points that they can get. And if you look at the Arkansas team, last week they lost at home to Liberty. Yeah, Liberty. I'm not joking. So th this team by no means is what a lot of people thought earlier in the year. And they haven't really performed all that well against the stiff competition. They got hammered by Alabama at home. They lost in Mississippi State and AM. And their only decent win was against Cincinnati in week one. And we now know that the Bearcats aren't nearly as good as we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Um, and let's, like I said, I think a lot of people are falling into the trap that LSU is going to have a letdown game. But I don't think Brian Kelly is going to let that happen. I expect them to go on the road, have their defense play extremely well, and win this game. It could be back and forth, but I like LSU to cover the three and a half. I think it's well worth laying those points. Um, 
and let's let's stay with that college football playoff theme. Uh, maybe the game of the weekend really is going to be number 18 Texas hopes hosting number four TCU. And a lot of a lot has been made all week about the Horn Frogs. Should they really even be ranked, you know, in the college football playoff in the four spot right now? And at the end of the day, we're going to find out what they're really all about. They have to win out if they want to make it. So that's going to play itself out. But clearly, Las Vegas and a lot of others are not sold by any means on TCU because they are seven-point underdogs going on the road to a three-loss Texas team. How often do you see a team that's undefeated this far into the season, that highly ranked, be a touchdown underdog to a three-loss team? Similarly to the LSU-Arkansas, that that speaks volumes to me. And, and I feel like TCU is getting a bit disrespected here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Texas and Steve Sarkeesian has done a decent job uh, in Austin, you know, getting that ship corrected a little bit. You could argue they should have beaten Bama back in week two. Uh, they played very well, and their defense at times has looked really strong. But at the same time, they also have some games that have been really uninspiring as well. And let's not forget, Texas, this program, for all the allure of it's Texas and it's college football, they have not beaten a top five team at home since 1999. That's 23 years ago. So there's plenty of reason to think that TCU can cover this line. I, I do suspect that Texas wins this game, but TCU has shown that they can score almost at any point against any given opponent. And over the last two seasons, Texas has shown a propensity to build big leads and blow them. They've blown four 14-point or bigger leads over the last season and a half. And what is the big knock on TCU? Letting teams get ahead of them, and then they come back. Well, if they've shown that they can consistently come back, and Texas has shown that they are used to blowing leads, and I think at the very least, the talent differential is equal in this spot. Knowing I can get the number four team in the country getting seven, Again, I think Texas probably wins this game. My gut says they win it late, but I, I got to take the points here. Um, so that's kind of where I'm feeling with a couple key college football games. Another one that's worth looking in into, NC State, or excuse me, uh, uh, North Carolina getting three and a half on the road at Wake Forest. And I was on this a bit a couple weeks ago. I don't think North Carolina is nearly as good as they were thought to be as of a few weeks ago. And it might make some sense to lay those points as well. But I digress. Let's move on to the NFL now. It's it's where everybody likes to go. And there's a few games that really stood out to me this week. Let's kick it off with the Chicago Bears, who suddenly have shown some life thanks to Justin Fields and his legs, at home giving the Detroit Lions three points, over-under sitting at, sitting at 48 and a half. So Vegas fully expects there to be plenty of points in this game. Now, one thing that really stood out to me when I look at this is Jared Goff in his home road splits. Since he got to Detroit last year, when he plays at home, he has 26 touchdown passes and just six interceptions. The Lions are averaging almost 30 points a game at home, whereas on the road, which keep in mind this game's in Chicago, He's thrown seven touchdowns to nine interceptions, and they average less than 14 a game. 
So that's a massive difference. That's already one huge red flag for me. And then taking the context, Detroit's coming off. You could argue their Super Bowl last week. They know the season's over and they found a way to beat Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers last week in a thrilling finish. Aaron Rodgers was leading them down and they held on for the win. You could see the, the look of relief on their face and excitement. So it would make a little bit of sense here that they don't quite bring it, especially early on the road in Chicago this week. And then the other angle of this, you know, through the first six weeks of the season, the Bears offense was unbelievably anemic. Fields was averaging like 15 passing attempts per game, not even completions, attempts. They didn't dare throw the ball. Um, and the offense, they couldn't do anything. But in the last few weeks, they finally have just said, you know what, Justin, just go make plays. Just just go do, just do something with your legs, and maybe that'll open things up. And we all know Cole Komet is a talented tight end. And if only he could get the right coverage looks to create some separation in, in the secondary. And now that Justin Fields is making plays consistently with his legs, it's opened up a bit of that passing game. He also has another week with Chase Claypool in the offense, in, in practice all week, to go with Darnell Mooney. So they their offense is significantly better than what we saw a couple of weeks ago. And despite the fact that the defense obviously traded away a couple of their best players and Rokon Smith and such, there's still at the very least a decent defense at home against a Lions team that really struggles on the road. So to me, this is one of the easiest games of the week to pick. I am more than happy to lay the three points, take Chicago at home. Justin Fields should rush for close to another hundred yards, maybe another score on the ground. So there are some prop bets to play there as well that I think are great money-making opportunities. All right, let's transition to a couple franchises that are really, really proud franchises that, you know, normally at this point in the season, we're talking about the playoffs. And now really we're looking toward the future and that's Pittsburgh and New Orleans. The Steelers are favored by one and a half at home against the Saints. Uh, the game is in Pittsburgh and they're coming off a bye. I think that's that's worth noting here. Mike Tomlin, since he took over in Pittsburgh, is 11 and four off a bye and three and one off the bye following a loss. The only time he lost one was to Tom Brady and the Patriots a few years back, which, I mean, who didn't back then? So already there's reason to like Pittsburgh. They're rested. They're a little bit more prepared. They have new packages apparently in place for their backup running back with Najee Harris struggling a bit, and he's shown some burst. So I, I think they might get a little bit of a jolt there. And this Saints team, and especially the Saints defense, it was expected to be one of the best in the league. And I think a lot of people think it still is on paper, but man, they have just been gashed, especially on the ground, which we haven't seen that in years prior. So, you know, Pittsburgh has really struggled to move the ball on the ground for much of this year, which has put Kenny Pickett under a lot of pressure. But I think they're finding the right opponent who, by the way, had to play on Monday night. So they're coming off a short week now traveling cross country to Pittsburgh and, you know, it's not an easy place to play. Um, so knowing all of that, and don't forget, with Claypool out of the way, Pickens, the rookie receiver, George Pickens, who's shown unbelievable talent, um, is finally going to get, you would think, significantly more looks. I, I think we're going to see a slightly different, more efficient Steelers offense in this game. Um, so, but if anything, because... The Steelers at times have really struggled defensively as well. 
even though if I lean one way, I like the Steelers to cover, but the over and under sitting at 40 and a half, you know, knowing how bad this Saints defense is, I mean, but also how turnover prone both of these teams are, we could easily see one, if not multiple defensive scores in this game. Um, you know, we saw that in the Saints game a couple of weeks ago against Arizona when Dalton threw two pick sixes back to back. So, I mean, anytime you get that, the overs in a really good spot. But with this sitting at 40 and a half, I really, really like the over. I think there's going to be plenty of points. I'm not saying this game is going to be a barn burner, but I think we're going to get a few turnovers, which could set up some short fields and easy scoring position, knowing who the quarterbacks are and knowing the the lack of defensive depth on both sides. I think we're going to see some points and the over seems like a pretty good bet to me. All right, let's transition to one game that has seen an unbelievable swing uh, in Vegas with, with the spread. So prior to last Sunday's game, the Buffalo Bills, if you had bet them last week against the Vikings at home this week, the line opened at nine. Then after they lost to the Jets on Sunday, it dropped to seven. But now with the latest Josh Allen news that he very likely will not be playing in this game, it's dropped to three and a half. That's a massive change. And it moved to three and a half on Wednesday when there was still rumors that he could play. He just missed Wednesday and they're resting potentially. But on Thursday, he also didn't play. And, and Coach McDermott is refusing to talk about it. So it's looking more and more likely that Case Keenum is going to play in this game. Meanwhile, the Vikings, who are 7-1 and one and under everyone's radar, are much better than I think a lot of people are giving them credit. And people like to point to, well, they've played a bunch of backup quarterbacks in one by one possession. Well, I'll say one thing. Winning by one possession consistently isn't necessarily a bad thing. It means you know how to close games. It means you know how to win games. You know how to play well and execute in key situations in the fourth quarter. And they've shown that they can do that this year. And the three backup quarterbacks that they faced were against the Saints, the Dolphins, and Washington. So it was Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, and Taylor Heineke. You could argue Heineke is better than Wentz. Uh, so I don't know how much of a drop-off that really is. And same thing you could say with Dalton and Winston. I mean, Winston's healthy, and the Saints are still using Dalton, you know, and making a conscious decision. So I don't even know if you could call that a backup quarterback. And let's not forget, maybe the most underrated trade prior to the trade deadline, or at the trade deadline, was when Minnesota made the shocking interdivision trade to add extremely tight end, extremely talented tight end TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions. In his first game, not knowing the full playbook, he caught nine balls for 70 yards. And I fully expect him to probably be the number two option in Minnesota's passing game going forward. And not only is he a great option in the passing game, and that allows Thielen to be the number three that at this point in his career, he probably is. Not only that, but he's also one of the best blocking tight ends in football. Whenever they line him next to the tackle, it really should help their running game um, against a Bills front that, you know, let's face it, is one of the better fronts in the league. And by no means do I think that the Vikings are a slam dunk to win this game. But if Josh Allen isn't playing, which is all signs point to that, in case Keenum is starting, that three and a half is really, really enticing. And when news comes out on Friday or Saturday that Allen isn't going to play, there is a very good chance that line dips to three, two and a half, maybe two. 
So you need to get the Vikings while you can get that extra half a point. Because if the Bills win, I don't see it be being by more than a field goal. So grab it while it's at three and a half right now. Uh, but don't be at all surprised if the Vikings win that game. All right, now let's move to, you know, what on paper at the beginning of the season we all thought would, was going to be an amazing matchup is the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. You know, two of the two of the best franchises, most notorious brands in the league. Dallas is at home, or excuse me, they're on the road going to Lambeau, giving Green Bay four and a half. The line opened at five and a half, and it continues to drop. You know, this is the largest spread that Aaron Rodgers has ever faced uh, at home in his pro career. But there's plenty of reason to see why. I mean, every week people keep, seem to think that this is the week that their offense is going to get on track. And every week they look worse and worse and worse offensively. They scored nine points. Nine points against the Detroit Lions defense that is ranked 30th in the NFL last week. I mean, that's pathetic. Rodgers threw three interceptions in the red zone for the first time in his career. He's playing terribly. And now reports Thursday morning. So everyone has known that Aaron Rodgers has been calling out his young receivers. He even called for some of them, not by name, but said, hey, if you're not doing your job well, you should be benched. And a lot of young, you know, a lot of the young players apparently are taking, uh, they're not too thrilled with that. And there's a report that came out Thursday morning that, some of those young receivers took umbrage with his comments and there's some friction in that locker room. Now this could go off the rails really quickly. The Packers are three and six already. Rogers is so ornery in, you know, the opposite of a great leader. And now some of the young guys, you know, aren't on the same page with him. It is going to be really difficult for this offense to get going. You take into account Aaron Jones, who twisted his ankle in the third quarter and didn't return last week, he practiced in a limited basis on Wednesday and Thursday. So it appears like he's going to play and the injury isn't overly serious. But at the very least, he's not 100%. And A.J. Dillon, the A.J. Dillon we've seen this year is not the same guy we saw last year. His metrics have fallen off the table. Uh, whether it's yards after first contact, yards per carry, uh, broken tackle percentage, Everything is significantly worse than what we saw last season. Also, his goal to go goal line carries. The guy, it doesn't matter how many times he gets it at the one. He can't get in the end zone. Um, it's got a lot of people saying, you know, crying free Aaron Jones again, which I'm sure a lot of you remember what that means from a few years ago. Uh, so knowing Jones is 100% and Alan Lazard is still the only reliable, healthy receiver in that offense that even likes Aaron Rodgers to some degree at this point. It's really difficult to see how the Packers are going to move the football once again. I don't care that this game's at home. Um, now, I, I do have a sneaky suspicion that their defense will play well against Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he he's banged up. He missed week eight. They gave him the bye week off, um, and he practiced on a limited basis Wednesday and Thursday as well. So it's looking like he's going to play, but... At the end of the day, we all know that Tony Pollard is the more talented, better running back in Dallas right now. Everyone but Jerry Jones, I think, knows that. Um, and in the game that he missed in week eight, Pollard rushed for 131 yards and three scores on 14 carries. 14 carries. He almost averaged 10 yards a carry, got in the end zone three times against, you know, albeit a not very good Bears rush defense. But the Packers rush defense isn't anything to write home about as well. You can run the ball on them. So whether Zeke is plays in as effective or not, I think we'll see enough of Tony Pollard. I think it's going to be more of an even split, if not favor Pollard a little bit. 
I think we should see enough that the Packers will hang in, but I just don't see any way that they're going to get to 17 points in this game. Uh, so I, even though it's a tough call and it's hard to go Dallas as this line continues to creep down and I might even wait till Friday or Saturday to make this bet because the line continues to creep down. It might get all the way down to four and maybe you can get the Cowboys minus four at that spot. I think there's too much value at the end of the day. We know this Cowboys team is very talented on both sides of the ball and this Packers team is in shambles and it's only getting worse. So I think I'm going to lay those points there. All right, now a battle for California. Um, it's interesting. Who would have thought that the two best California teams uh, this year weren't would not involve the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams? But that's certainly the case. Uh, on Sunday Night Football, we got the 49ers at home giving seven to the Chargers. Um, Over-under sitting at 45 and a half. Now, the Niners are coming off of their bye week. So this is going to be the first time that they basically had two full weeks to integrate Christian McCaffrey so that he knows the entire playbook in and out, which I fully expect him to be you know, on the field almost for the vast majority of snaps for this game Sunday night. And he's going up against you know, what is easily the worst rush defense. The Chargers are allowing 5.7 yards per carry. Let me say that again. They're allowing 5.7 yards per carry. That's a historically bad figure. That, and everyone knew last year that was their biggest issue. And they went out and got a defensive tackle, and then they traded for Khalil Mack. None of it has mattered. They are just as bad. Then they lost J.C. Jackson to, a, I believe it was a, a torn calf or Achilles uh, recently. So the defense is, is significantly hampered with injuries. And the Niners are only getting healthier. And let's not forget, Debo Samuel didn't play two weeks ago when they beat the Rams by 17 on the road. Now they're back home. Debo got a full practice on Wednesday, full practice on Thursday. So he's a full go. I think we're going to see the full array of this Niners offense. And, you know, even last week, the Chargers pulled out a squeaker against the Atlanta Falcons. But the offense struggled in that game without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams yet again. And guess what? Keenan Allen still hasn't practiced. Uh, Their head coach, Brandon Staley, has tried to downplay it and say he's day-to-day. Mike Williams is week-to-week. He's already been ruled out. And, you know, normally when you hear day-to-day, that means someone could play. But we have seen Keenan Williams played in week one. He hurt his hamstring. He took five weeks off came back in week six, played a half, played the first half, and then didn't play in the second half. And then during their bye week, he got, he somehow hurt his hamstring again. And Keenan Allen came out and said, I'm not going to play again until I'm fully healthy. Well, considering he hasn't practiced yet this week, even though he's not officially ruled out, I'd be willing to bet anything just about that he is not playing this week, which means it's the Joshua Palmer show against a very good defense on the road, in prime time. And let's not forget, because the Niners are going to be running the football and running it very effectively and scoring plenty of points more than likely, Justin Herbert, who still hasn't looked like himself this year after he got injured against the Chiefs, is going to have to drop back 40 to 50 times in this game. This game could get out of hand, and it could get out of hand quickly. I'm normally not a fan of laying a touchdown, especially to a team that, you know, they're 4-4 and this year and they've been Jekyll or Hyde. 
But I think this is the game we finally recognize San Francisco as a legit contender to come out of the NFC. I'm laying those seven points. I also really like the over. I think that the Niners are going to get into the high 20s, if not the 30s. And Herbert is good enough alone that even though I think he throws a couple picks, he'll also throw a couple touchdowns. This game's something like a 30 to 20 game. Lay the points, take the over. It's not a bad parlay to look at. All right, so now we're going to transition to Kendall's Corner. So last time we we had this segment, I hit another three-team parlay, hit the lock of the week. Overall this season, we are entering week 10 of the NFL season. I have hit my three-team parlay six of the nine weeks. So I feel like, you know, I figured something out. And I've talked about this before. And there's it, it's almost like taking candy from a baby. Not... Normal parlays, that's a sucker's bet. And most bettors know this. Any parlay, but especially a three-team, four-team parlay. I mean, if you throw a few bucks and you're looking for a great payoff, but you're not worried, you know, if you lose it, so be it. But in general, parlays are hard to hit unless you use the money line. And yeah, you're killing some of your odds. You're not going to get that great payout. But this week, the Eagles play the Commanders uh, on Monday night. And I think they're favored by 10 and a half right now. I wouldn't be shocked if the commanders, you know, hung around their defense is playing really well the last few weeks, but I don't think they're winning that game. I don't think almost anyone thinks they're winning that game. So if you take the Eagles, the chiefs play the Jaguars, the chiefs know, especially with Josh Allen out possibly this week, they have the inside track possibly to get that number one seed in home field advantage. They're not taking the foot off the gas this week. So the Chiefs aren't losing to the Jags. The Eagles aren't losing to the Commanders. And as I talked about, I really love the Bears this week against the Lions. If you if you just parlay those three money lines, you're going to get plus 150. So you're getting better than even money when you know the Eagles are probably going to win, the Chiefs are probably going to win, and the Bears are the only ones with any risk at all. So you're basically getting better than even money for the Bears to beat the Lions, money line. I'll take that all day long. Um, so there's also one other thing that really stood out to me when I was taking a look at some of these lines, because I feel like there's usually some opportunities with teasing, and I've been a little bit more hit or miss with the teasing this year. I've hit a few, I've lost a few, but there was a couple that really made a lot of sense. So I talked about the Chiefs and the Jags. That line's at nine and a half. If you tease that down to three and a half, I mean... Maybe there's an outside chance that the Jags lose by a field goal, but I think we all know that the Chiefs are probably going to put them away early. Um, Minnesota, they're three and a half point dogs, as we talked about. You can tease that up to nine and a half. Maybe Case Keenum, you know, plays miraculous football, but even then, they're not beating Minnesota by 10 points. So I feel like that's damn near a lock. And then if you tease the Indy Vegas under to under 47 and a half, Think about this. Now, we all know Indy's offense is, you know, god-awful. And especially since Sam Ellinger took over at quarterback, I mean, they've just been dreadful. And even though Jonathan Taylor is going to be back this week, I don't think their their offense is suddenly going to light it up. And Vegas, they just announced this morning that both Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are on IR. And their offense has already really been struggling. You got Devontae Adams essentially calling out the coaches like, Get me the damn football. I mean, it's a disaster there in Vegas. So I think both of these teams are struggling defensively. And you can tease this up to 47 and a half. So you tease KC to minus three and a half. 
Minnesota to plus nine and a half, the under Vegas Indy to under 47 and a half, and then tease down that Niners game against the Chargers to minus one. I mean, I'd be shocked if the Chargers win that game, which is what they'd have to do for you to lose that. You put those four together, you got plus 240. Considering you're teasing four teams, I love all four of those spots. To get two and a half to one on your money, there's some great value there. And finally, in the NHL, I don't know, you know, there's so much going on in the world of sports. Most people probably haven't noticed, but the Boston Bruins are on an absolute tear to start the season. They're having the best start in their franchise's history. And that's a pretty good history. Um, they are 11 and two, and they're not just beating clubs, they're hammering clubs. And despite that, they're still plus 550 to win the President's Trophy. And I know it's early. And, you know, people might say, oh, well, last year they finished seventh in the East. They finished with the most points to not win their division in NHL history. They had 107 points last year. They were a really, really good hockey team in what was statistically the best conference in the history of hockey. All eight playoff teams had at least 100 points. That had never happened before. This Bruins team is legit. They just got Charlie McAvoy back, one of their best young defensemen. So at plus 550, I think there's great value in that bet. That's worth just throwing down a few shekels, and then at the end of the month, you'll come back and thank me. All right, so you know we, we tackled a whole bunch of NFL, the college football, a couple lines at the beginning, which we're going to continue to dive into college football a little bit more, as well as the NBA, NFL, of course, we're going to hit. And with the World Cup coming around, there are so many different money-making opportunities. And thus far, we've been on the air now for almost five months. And thus far, we're hitting at 65% or just over. It's like 65.5%. And it's hard to hit those. And some of these three-team parlays, like I said, there's money to be made when you use money lines and people just, they misunderstand the right way to play it. So I hope you guys take advantage and I hope you guys are listening. This for Kendall... I'm Kendall Caps, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.